your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 273 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory downtown Toronto alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. New sponsor alert. Locker Room is the best live audio sports talk platform. You can download the app today in the iOS store and later this episode will announce when you can hear us live in the locker room. Stay tuned for all that, but it's a packed show. We have the Sens DJ on to talk about the Sens sicko movement, how he's creating atmosphere in an arena without fans, and a whole lot more fun chat with Alex Marchand. And then we've got a big game to break down. Yes, we'll get to the goaltender injuries that keep piling up. Ottawa claiming Anton Forsberg on waivers. Not sure why he has to quarantine being in Canada, but we'll get to what he could bring going forward. Ottawa battling back in what will be their final game until Monday. So they emptied the tank in the third period, came back from down 2-0 overall in the game, but lose in the shootout. So Ottawa, with that 3-2 shootout loss, is now 10-20-3. We'll break down that entire game for you. And the Nodak sends our NCHC champions. What's next and how did they do it? All those answers and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, March 18th in Pilsy. We're recording just after 9 a.m., so still no update, but Joey DeCourt and Colin White both left last night's game, and it did not look good for either. Man, just adding insult to injury, losing a shootout game, and then losing two top players on your team, especially Ross. We thought Colin White was going to have a long-term injury just a couple games ago, and he seemed all right. He seemed to escape injury. And then this happens, the poor guy, and the worst of it all, our guy, Joey Decord. On a no-contact play, I feel like those are always the worst ones. It just looks like he twisted his knee trying to shove off the post and wasn't really... Uh, I think he wasn't aware where the post was when he started his movement and that kind of thrust his knee into an awkward position. But hey, say what you want. Good on the guy. He still made the save. He was down in pain and still gets the save and covers it up. That's a good goalie right there. But all we're really hoping for the best for Joey because this was the perfect time for him to get his opportunity to showcase what he can do in the NHL. And it's cut short from him like this. Unbelievable. Do you think that there was a part of that injury was from so many games? Fourth start consecutively for Joey Decord and starting back-to-back nights, the 14th and 15th. This was his third start in four days. I think certainly you can look at that as, as probably part of the reason because how often does a goalie play that much in that short of a time, especially a goalie like Joey Decord who basically took 12 months off without having a competitive game of hockey. Not to say that it wasn't training and staying in shape. Obviously he was, but it's a different story when you're thrown into the fire for so many times in uh, so little days and you don't get time to rest and recover. So 
that's just tough for Joey. And who would have thought, Ross, like the goaltending injuries for the Ottawa Senators are just never ending. Every year we seem to have these struggles. And who would have thought we'd be on our fourth string guy? Philip Gustafson has dressed for eight NHL games and gets his first taste of NHL action. That is wild. He, he joins an elite crew. Maybe not elite the right word, but no Unique. goals against and a loss. Yeah, that's that's tough. He plays a he plays a good game. Even in the shootout, I thought he was really good too. But the Sens, the offense can't get a win for him, and no goals scored in that shootout. That's tough to watch. Well, it was tough to watch. Uh, who was it? Uh, was it Tanner Pearson? That second attempt by Vancouver was in slow motion. That was the Jason Allison uh, or Jamie Allison. Uh, to shootout maneuver from the first ever. I don't know if you remember that back in 05. He came in maybe going one mile an hour, but that shootout in general, not as smooth as we've seen others. Tim Stutzla failing to score for the first time, still two for three, nothing wrong with that. But the, the shootout star was Thatcher Demko on Drake Batherson, kicking up the scorpion style save after Drake made a beautiful move. And once he made that save, I just kind of knew that the next shot was uh going to go in for Vancouver. He snuck at five hole, but credit to Gustafson to get back to the initial point. He made a huge save in the third period on a breakaway where he stayed with the shooter, kicked out the left pad. And I thought that was his best save of the night, made eight out of eight saves. And you got to assume that he's starting on Monday because Pilsy, it sounds like Matt Murray, it's more of a week to week injury versus what we initially thought as day to day. Yep, and then Marcus Hogberg's still on the shelf, and it's believed that he's going to have a conditioning stint down in Belleville when he is ready, so he's basically not an option. And then newly acquired Anton Forsberg. Ross, when this move happened, we were chatting, and I, I was I was kind of upset that they picked him up. I was like, what? They're not going to give Joey a, a longer look here. But I didn't realize Matt Murray was a longer injury. And now, thank God, they picked up Anton Forsberg because – they're, they're desperate at this point. Uh, unfortunately, he's going to have to quarantine for a week, though. But luckily for the Sens, they don't play a lot of games in the upcoming days. So really, he's only going to not be available for Monday's game against Calgary. Uh, Wednesday's game against Calgary, which is a back-to-back, playing the Leafs in the second half of that, he will be ready. So that's good. But would have been nice if they were able to do what Jimmy Vesey did. Jimmy Vesey was picked up off waivers by the Vancouver Canucks from Toronto. and. I guess since it was same province, I think that's the that's the real uh, difference here that uh, they were able to get a driver that tested negative. He picked him up, brought him to the game. He's clean and all good to go. It's too bad Anton well, Forsberg couldn't get good that to go. same. Yeah, yeah. I guess for some reason he wasn't visa. able to play. Visa issues. Yeah. So that's uh, man. It's never ending. All these processes in COVID times, but it is good that they get Anton Forsberg, who has been claimed for the third time this season. Poor guy, but that's what happens when you're kind of a fringe backup goalie. Everybody wants you as their taxi squad guy, so that's what's happening. But it does seem like he's going to get some NHL action with the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, so Anton Forsberg signs in Edmonton, picked up on waivers from Carolina, then picked up on waivers from Winnipeg, and now he's an Ottawa Senator. And just looking from his career numbers, again, like played great in the Swedish Hockey League coming up. So did Marcus Hogberg. So did many goalies who... You know, there's a wide variety. It doesn't necessarily mean success at the next level. He's been awesome in the AHL, a 920 save percentage 
over 185 games. So you can count on him there. And in 12 playoff games, he's 9-1 and one with a 945 save percentage. So he's clutch in the AHL, but in the National League, uh, not so great. And he hasn't played on, on great teams either. You can say that, but 12-25-4 overall record with a goals against above three and a save percentage hovering right around 900. So, I mean, there's only so much that you can take from that. This is a, a clearly a depth pickup for the Senators and one that they need right now with the injuries mounting up. And let's say all things equal or healthy, maybe to put it even better. Anton Forsberg is a perfect taxi squad guy. He can practice with the team and this allows Joey to play more games for Belleville down the stretch. And I think that can only help going forward. Some nice healthy competition with the three headed monster. We'll call them down in Bell Vegas with Gustafson and Mandalazy ready to go at any given moment as well. There's also another prospect that's signed. We'll save that for a little later on in the show. Let's dive in to the three, two defeat. The Ottawa Senators falling to 10, 20, and 3. And this is just the wildest stat for me, Pilsy. Before we break down the game, if you look at Ottawa versus selected opponents, of course, but it's great that Toronto and Montreal, you're on the right side of things. But the Sens record this season versus Toronto, Montreal, and Calgary, they're 9 and 7. Respectable. Above 500. And then you look at against Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Vancouver. They're one win in 17 games. One, 13, and three. I know that's cherry-picked which teams, but that is an unbelievable split. Yeah, especially considering that one win they got was that 2-1 win on a Saturday that Hogberg uh, just barely held on to. So it's not like that was even a nice win either. That is that is tough. And hey, we were seeing this is the this is the battles of the North Division, right? You're you're going to have a lot of teams that are going to overmatch you, but you hope to at least be flirting with that 500 line with all teams. But that's just not the case when it comes to Winnipeg, Vancouver, and especially Edmonton. Well, Edmonton, they're 0-7 against, and I feel like they always got off on the wrong foot against Edmonton, just like they did in Vancouver. And that trend continued against Vancouver on home ice when Brock Besser opened the scoring two minutes and 30 seconds in. The Senators have now allowed the first goal of the game 23 times in 32 games. That is over 70% of the time. So you're always battling back from behind. And this goal, oh man, can you play a two-on-one worse? And I know that there should have been a penalty call before that even developed because uh, Hoglander just kicked out the right skate from under Thomas Shabbat. Pretty dirty play. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but that is a trip every single time. However, once that turnover happened, you got to play that better if you're Erica Branson. Yeah, well, the the Shabbat trip-up was on the second goal. The Both uh, both goals were two-on-one opportunities, and both goals, the defenseman back did not play it well. Let's start with the first one. Terrible miscue by the birthday boy, Christian O'Lannon. I mean, he's he's coming up the middle of the ice. He has all day. He, he tosses a garbage pass into Zingle. It's nowhere near him. It doesn't hit him in stride. A Does grenade. Zingle, it's, yeah, it's bobbling in his feet. Totally sewers the guy. Obviously, it's picked up by the Canucks. And then they go back the other way. And it's just like, Gabranson is not prepared for this at all. He's trying to pivot. As he pivots, he slips and falls. And it's just so easy to get that puck over for the tap-in. That's the first goal. And then the second goal, like you talked about, Tom Shabbat has it at the point. It's a bit of a bouncing puck. So he's working on keeping it steady, calming it down. And then Hoglander comes in and just slew foots him. 
I couldn't believe that. Like anyone who knows hockey and knows Thomas Shabbat knows that that's a play. He's not going to just slip and fall and just land on his ass in a routine play, having the puck at the board. So clearly he was tripped up. He looks to the ref, no penalty. Hoglander comes down the other way. And I find Zaitsev has been the guy, the odd man back on two on ones a lot of times because Shabbat is a offensive defense. He's going to pinch. That's going to happen. That's okay. But what he does on the two-on-ones is he goes down to that slide a second too early, and he does it this time. I think it's a great play, and he c- ends up covering a lot of ice when he swings that stick around, but he goes down, and then that allows Hoglander to slow up and wait for him to slide out of the way. Then when he's out of the way, he makes that pass over, and that's another easy goal. Again, none of these goals can be uh, blamed on Joey Decord. So it's the defense that slips up and two-on-ones are easy goals for the Canucks to get. Now, I know Gabranson wants to battle with Bo Horvat as they're going towards the puck, but if he acknowledges that the player's coming right down the slot, Bo Horvat's coming in from outside the face-off circle at the boards. Like, he's not a threat to score from there at all. And there's two guys on the back check. I believe, yeah, Dezingle's on his horse, and, and Willannon's getting back. Neither make it in time. But if Gabranson just seals off the pass and that's all he focuses on, by the time Horvat cuts to a spot where it's a problem, those guys are going to be back and able to take that play. So, I mean, you're taught for minor hockey. Take the pass on a two-on-one. And we saw two situations there where they didn't take the pass or the shot. So what are you really doing? Just laying flat on their stomach, both of them. So... I don't know if that's a strategy from the coach because you see that in twice in quick succession. You're just like, what the hell is going on here? But Joey not getting any help on those two goals. Well, Annan, he gives and takes, right? Like that was a grenade that he threw in the feet of Dezingle. And then later in the period, he springs Tierney on a breakaway with a beauty pass right up the middle. And Chris Tierney's never going to score a goal in the NHL again. I've, I've decided that. It's, it's just impossible to watch him around the net. He just doesn't even get a good shot off. In that situation, the more I watch him, the more I see trade bait, especially with the emergence of Josh Norris. He didn't get the first ends goal, but we'll get to Josh Norris. It was Ryan Dezingle on a nice play. How about Clark Bishop just finding his way onto the score sheet again? Another nice game. Christian Willannon with the other assist. That was a nice one to get three minutes into the second period because at that point, two nothing. You're starting to see the sends not sulk at all, but. The game's starting to really tilt in the Canucks' favor, so Dezingle put Ottawa on the board, and it was much needed. Yep, that was my locked-on player. I wanted to to see Dezingle get back in the action, and yeah, our our guy, Clark Bishop, I was not expecting big things from him because he didn't really make an impact in the AHL. Hey, impress the coach. Looks like he's going to get a bigger role going into next week. Yeah, attaboy, and he deserves it. I think that kind of finally settles the debate of, who are you getting in there? Uh, Nisimov, Pekka, Bishop. Stepan. Haley. <laughs> <laughs> so that, this is good that we've got a guy who we like. He can be effective in eight or less minutes. He's really good. I find Bishop is really good when they're just breaking into the zone. He's able to turn on the Jets for just a quick couple seconds and gets that puck into the zone and drives to the net hard. So I like that about Clark Bishop. Dezingle buries the rebound. you got to love seeing that, especially after those three guys. Well, not really Clark Bishop, but Dezingle and Landon were kind of the reason for that first goal. So it's nice to see them get some redemption for sure. Yeah, and it sounds like the coach loves the Dezingle-Bishop combo. Me too. uh, Which, yeah, they bring so much speed, right? And that's such an important element that Ottawa didn't have 
when they were dressing certain other players on their fourth line. Now, Nismov didn't skate, and you got to wonder if maybe this is a nagging thing. I don't know, not to be hopeful about some situation like that, but I don't know where he fits going forward on this team because you can just see the whole pace when they can roll four lines a little bit more. And, well, they didn't do that in the third period, and we'll get to it. But before any of that happened in the third period, Josh Norris, this is what we saw in Belleville for the two years that you and I worked there. This is a shooter, and he scored his seventh of the year just doing just that. Yeah, what a shot. And that was like, he like slingshotted that at the net. Like, it was like he whipped it at the net a little and uh, hit the post and went in. Like, just a beauty shot. That's how you get 30 goals in the AHL as a rookie. Like, just an excellent shot. Nice play by Connor Brown sliding the puck over to him. And also, great play by Brady Kachuk tying up Sutter there because that allows Connor Brown to get in there and steal that puck. So, all around, good play by those three guys. And I didn't think they were going to tie it up. Like, when they went down 2 nothing, I was... I was feeling in the dumps, especially I emptied my account on the sends yesterday. Whoops, that didn't turn out so good for me as the birthday boy, but it was close. But yeah, great play by Norris there to tie things up. So 2-2 at that point. Then Colin White goes down. He's out with uh, what we hope is not uh, an aggravation of the injury that he suffered last week. But then DJ Smith, you have to wonder what's going on in his mind In a tie game in the last 14 minutes, Tim Stutzla with two shifts. Now, this was not Tim Stutzla's best game in the NHL by any stretch of the imagination. But do you think it was warranted for him to be stapled to the bench? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like sometimes people maybe uh, focus in too much on these kinds of things. Like maybe it wasn't really a fact that it was DJ Smith being like, I'm benching Timmy. Like you're not going to play as more. I got other guys who are hot right now. I'm going to give them the opportunity. So in my mind, I think that's more what happened there. Yeah, fair enough. Even if Denny Dadnov, after they tied it up, only played three shifts. We'll get to his power play woes later on in this show, but I want to focus on the back end because Christian Willan, and yeah, like not the best game from him either. And he does, he did have a few nice plays though at the same time. And again, got on the score sheet. He had one shift in the third period. How are you going to play when you have five defensemen and even Erica Branson, but I think fans will be happier to know he only played four shifts in that third period. They really relied on Shabbat, Zaitsev, and Zub in that third period. Even Riley playing nine shifts over almost seven minutes. But how are you expecting a win when you're already shorthanded defensively going to 5D and then even still you're playing your your number five D less than five minutes. So I think that it'd be nice to get those guys up a little bit, especially with Landon. See what you have in them. Like, you're tied. Why not have an offensive defenseman out there? I, I would have liked to see Gabranson with Landon's ice time switched, especially like Gabranson was just falling around all game. That was a classic, you just don't have it tonight game. But he kept trotting him out there, and it was, well, you got the results you'd expect. Yeah, I agree. I would have liked to see Willannon get a little more time, especially he had under 10 minutes total ice time and a minute and a half of that was on the power play. So he's just not getting looks. He's not getting in the game. And that's the thing. Sure, he makes his mistakes, but you got to let a young guy get his rhythm. Like if you just keep kind of punishing him when he makes mistakes or not giving him a chance to get back out there and get his skates on the ice and get a feel for the puck and those kinds of things, he's not going to improve. So that's tough. I think... You know, we given Willannon a decent look here. It's not working out. I think it's time to go back to Branstrom. Yeah, Branstrom just sitting 
and waiting. And how smart is that, right? You've got the Belleville Senators. Uh, they're on a little bit of a break. They'll be back on Friday. But at the same time, you're like, okay, why not just send them down? You're putting them on the taxi squad and doing that to save money. At least let them play games. Like, I just don't understand the handling of Eric Branstrom. But that's a story for another day. We've got a story for today before we get to the shoot. Well, we talked about the shootout already, but get to our Sens Central standouts. We've got the Sens DJ, Alex Marchand, coming up. The Nodak Sens are a wagon. What's next for them? And another Sens prospect is signed, but we just signed at the Locked On Network with Locker Room. Locker Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that you can download for free and use to talk to other fans, athletes, insiders, and, spoiler alert, us in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. We're going to do one at least once a week, but we're going to utilize that last thing I said. Whenever there's breaking news with the Ottawa Senators that you need to react to or want to, we're going to be there for you in locker room. You can share your own experiences on the app as well. And what's great about locker room, I mentioned it's free, it's audio only, and you can start or join ongoing conversations just like that. It's so easy. You can watch games together, react to big news, rumors, and games. You can talk with other sports fans as well. You can interact with insiders, athletes. I already mentioned, even executives hop on there in real time. So join in on conversations with me. Pillsy's going to be there as well and have a chance to be featured on the Locked On Senators podcast, right? We already do our Send Central Citizens. We might use some of this audio, probably not, but that just makes it more exclusive. You got to be there in real time in locker room. We're going to do this on Sunday. We'll be our first show, Pillsy, and we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, this is a new opportunity for uh, kind of a new way to reach you guys. And this is a little different because you know that every time there's breaking news, Ross, we've had to do emergency records, uh, re-records. We've had to scrap full segments because news come out. We don't have to do that now. We've got an opportunity to hop on Locker Room. We'll let you guys know on Twitter if emergency one's happening. And you can hear our reactions live as it's happening. No edits, no cuts, just straight facts, takes, insider information, hopefully, and Maybe we'll get some guests on here. We already talked about, uh, hopefully, um, there's it's in the works that we're going to get on a locker room chat with Brent Wallace and Mark Mathod and Ian Mendez. All three of these uh, sort of platforms meeting together. That would be absolutely great. So these are the kind of things we're going to do with Locker Room, and we're so stoked to have a new partnership. So download the Locker Room app for free today. In the iOS app store, create a profile, link it to your Twitter, and join the Locked On group. And you can follow us there as well at Locked On Senators and be notified when our room goes live. So join us. We'll be going live on Locker Room this Sunday at 10 a.m. This Sunday at 10 a.m. We'll tweet out a link at Send Central on Twitter. And 10 a.m. is a little bit early, at least for me, on a Sunday. So you know I'm going to be crunching on a Bilt Bar before we hop in to that chat because Bilt Bar is the number one sponsor. Let's be honest. They've been with us forever on the Locked On Network, and I'm never sick of talking about them. I'm never sick of eating them either because they come in 16 amazing flavors. Eight have nuts. Eight are nut-free, but they're all 100% covered in chocolate. I'm telling you, 
They're easy to chew. They're soft. They're beautiful. They're great for the health conscious guy or girl as well. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. The bars are low in calorie and low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. As baseball season gets underway, you know it's a nutritional grand slam. Pilsy, it's time for your pick of the day. Well, it's March right now, so March Madness basketball is going on, and Built Bar is doing their bracket. It's the 2021 Sweetest 16. Today's matchup is a good one. There's no more weak flavors, although there's not a lot of weak flavors in the Built Bar register anyways, but now we're getting down to some of the best ones. This matchup, Salted Caramel versus Cookie Dough Chunk. I'm a cookie dough chunk kind of guy. I had a cookie dough blizzard ice cream cake for my birthday, so you know I love cookie dough chunk Built Bar as well. So that's getting my vote. Go try it today. Don't take my word for it. I know you're going to love the cookie dough chunk too. Try it. Go to BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get, yes, 20% off your first order. All right, Pilsy, fun interview coming up with the Sens DJ, Alex Marshan. Before we get to that, though, some Sens Central standouts in a 3-2 shootout loss. Before we get to those standouts, a stand down is Evgeny Dadnov. This guy has just been invisible on the ice. He's only got three points in the last 15 games since his heroics in the comeback in the 5-1 day in being down 5-1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So what can he do to get going? Is it time to break up whether Colin White is in the lineup or not? Is it time to break up the Nick Paul Evgeny Dadnov duo? I don't, I don't know about that because I really like that line. And even though Dadnov maybe isn't a driver in that line like we we would hope, I think the chemistry is an good. anchor. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, he's looking slow out there sometimes. $5 million anchor. But I'm, I'm not ready to, to give up on the guy just yet. Like I've said a couple times, this is a major adjustment for a guy like Evgeny Dadnov going from what he was used to in Florida to coming to Ottawa. And yes, it's been a long time. So the small sample size and the, the new team excuse is running short. That's for sure. So I think what you got to do is you cannot have a guy who plays as much power play time and is supposed to be a power play specialist as Evgeny Dadanov not getting any points on the power play. At the very least, they got to start trying him on the second unit and give some other people a chance on that top, top unit because you just can't, you can't have that over and over and over again. And it's not like he's getting, cha- he's not getting chances. He's getting chances here and there. He's just not burying them. So I think something's got to change because DJ Smith preaches accountability. Got to do it with the vets too. If it's not working for Evgeny Dadnov, you got to get someone else in there. One power play point in 120 minutes. That is mind boggling. Not even a goal. Like, come on. No, it was an assist on Josh Norris's goal against Winnipeg on January 19th in the third game of the season. Like, yeah, that's like 25, 26 games now without a point on the power play. But nobody on the Ottawa Senators has played more minutes with the extra attacker. To me, that's a completely mind-boggling stat. And if you look at Evgeny Dadanov, yeah, you can say that with the new team and the adjustments, he's a 25-plus goal scorer the last three years. But his first ever season in the National Hockey League, when he was 21 years old, he had better performance than he's putting on this year. He had 17 points in 36. He's only at 11 in 33 games this year yet he's still being trotted out there over and over and over again. And it's just something needs to give here because Alex Galchenyuk's tied with him in power play points. 
and has a power play goal. It was Zadnok a beauty does too. Yeah. yeah. In 13 minutes, not 120 minutes. So I, I'm getting pretty sick of this. And, and Pilsy, he's being used as a decoy out there. Like everyone talks about how great he is as a bumper, but none of the play ever goes through Evgeny Dadunov. It's just like he's not even there. So let's try to see what they can do to get him going. Because DJ Smith was asked about it recently and just sounded like nothing's going to change. So I applaud DJ Smith's stick to itness, where he doesn't like to mix things up too often. And we see that with the white Dadunov Paul pair. You saw it earlier in the year, and we, we liked it when he did this. He left together the Kachuk Norris Batherson line for maybe a little longer than than most coaches would have when they started struggling. So I think that that might be uh, something where it's a fault, but it's also a benefit to his coaching style. He's shown that he can learn, though. Like Erica Branson's a prime example of that. He's not playing top four minutes anymore, not even close. But should he even be in the lineup? That's another story for another day. So after a little negativity, time to get to our Sen Central standouts because there were a few of them. And how can you start with anybody except for Philip Gustafson. I know he only played 15 minutes, but that's a, that's a regulation loss if Philip Gustafson does not make those saves. Eight, but that breakaway save was my favorite. After the game, though, was where the real news came out about Philip Gustafson. He went to the bench after the first stoppage, and you're like, okay, what? Just maybe like threw on his equipment quick. Obviously, an injury replacement. Maybe that's the situation. He said when he gets nervous, he can't get blood into his hand is that a problem for a national hockey league goalie i would say that's a problem for a person (laughs) like just just in general right like if anytime you get nervous you can't feel your hands that's a big issue especially someone that uses their hands in their job yeah so it sounds like raynaud's is the name of it it's a medical condition and with spasm of arteries caused episodes of reduced blood flow so that was brought to us by Chris Arrow, who wrote us in at Send Central. But it just doesn't sound ideal. Um, Mitch Lotes writes in. He said, the year is 2026. It's the Stanley Cup final, game seven, double overtime, and Gus's hand falls off. Like, I, I don't mean to joke about this if it's a medical condition, but at the same time, it does not seem ideal, especially for a goalie, right? Like, we say Matt Murray has trouble catching the puck. Imagine if he couldn't feel his hand, how much trouble he'd have catching the puck, but... Sounds like it was taken care of quickly. He had a great game, and I guess we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, first off, yeah, let's be positive. No goals allowed in regulation or overtime. Great game by Gustafson, his first NHL start. That was a sloppy overtime, though. Two tired teams. That was very sloppy, but that that was a complete 50-50 overtime. Ottawa dominated the first half of that overtime. Vancouver didn't touch the puck the first two minutes. Not even once. They didn't touch the puck. And then the back half, it was Vancouver's. But sticking on the Gustafson thing quickly, especially if you're a team and now people are aware of this, you're going to be shooting glove hand every single time if you see that he's got to get off the ice, right? Like, you're going to be shooting up top for his hands. So that's tough to kind of keep under wraps and to kind of keep not obvious. But we always knew Gustafson, even in his Belleville days, right, Ross? Like, his confidence would be a little shaky. And I think you're seeing that it's more than just a mental thing. It's now a mental thing that's become physical. So this could be a real issue for a guy who you need to be calm, cool, and collected at all times as an NHL goalie. So hopefully Philip Gustafson can kind of, I mean, I don't know if there's a cure for this or what it is, but hopefully he can maintain this and be able to still succeed. 
Yeah, still Sun Central standout. So he succeeded last night. Shootout loss did not allow a goal. I mentioned that you can't start without Philip Gustafson, but you can because Nick Paul was a horse all over the ice. He had that great shift in the third period, shorthanded, where he brought the puck into the offensive zone, drew three guys to him, used his size and his puck protection to move around and then ended up flinging it back to the defense. Killed about 25, 30 seconds there. This guy just impresses me more and more every single night. Yeah, Nick Paul's another good one. I'm going to go with my central stand, central standout, and I used him a lot, but it's Brady Kachuk, and that's because he had some real good chances near the end of this game. I think the dying – was it the dying seconds of the – regulation or overtime where he had two really good shots on net and there was one opportunity where there was like four seconds left and he had Nick Paul on the far side but he wasn't sure how much time he had so he just got rid of it right away and then after you can see him saying to Paul did I have more time I could have passed that over to you so he did have a couple really good chances and Brady Kachuk doing what Brady Kachuk does six hits on the game ho-hum over 20 minutes played I think he had a really nice game and he had a couple chances where he could have ended this game but didn't quite finish it unfortunately well Shabbat could have ended this game as well in OT but Dadanov went offside that's just another that was brutal oh absolutely awful play there Shabbat playing well over 30 minutes again and I don't know about this. They knew that they had four days off coming up, but Brady Kachuk's played over an hour in the last three games as well. He's been up over 20 minutes in each of those. So they're relying on their horses, and and so be it. Brady Kachuk got absolutely smoked, too, in the first period by Bo Horvat with his head down. So nice to see him bounce back and not take out his frustration right away that would have resulted in a penalty. You saw he was about to go at uh, whoever the Canucks player was standing at the Sens bench, but realized – I've got him in a vulnerable position where he doesn't even have the puck anymore. Let's just take a number and go from there. So, yeah, nice shout-out to Brady Kachuk, just the heart and soul of this team, as he always is. But this team needed a break. They emptied the tank. They got a point, so credit to them. But they definitely needed this break. Alex Marchand needs a break as well because the Belleville Sens are in Ottawa this season. So double the workload. This man's got a full-time day job as well but it was great for him to take a few minutes with us to discuss not only about getting atmosphere into the game, but also where did he learn about the Sen Sicko movement? Yeah, it was a great chat with Alex and uh, Ross as former DJs ourselves. We were the Mindsies DJs down in Belleville, so we didn't have the same uh, equipment and luxuries that he had, but it was a great chat. So let's head over there now. All right, we now welcome a very special guest. You hear his tunes when you're at the CTC. Since 2005, he's been the Sens DJ and operating the Goal Hornets. Alex Marchand, welcome to Locked On Senators. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Sens DJ. How are you doing today, Alex? Gentlemen, it's great to be back. Thanks, and well. How are you? Uh, we're doing fantastic. we got lots we want to get into with you, including how you're creating atmosphere in a building Without fans, but my first question, when I saw that you started in 2005, you've been operating the goal horn. your finger ever get sore those first couple of years? Um, so actually, fun story is that uh, this is actually my first year on the goal horn since, uh, since uh, I started. Uh, because of COVID and distancing protocols, we've had to rearrange a little bit our working areas uh, at the CTC. Uh, to ensure that we you know respect distance between ourselves, uh, so this year I've been uh, you know given the great honor of being double duty doing the goal horn and and the music, which uh, you know I won't lie to you was a little nerve wracking at first, but uh, uh, it's been quite enjoyable. 
Hey, double shift, and we love that. Working hard all over the organization. Now, oh, I, yeah, I got 60 ask, minutes. Yeah, exactly. Hey, and even uh, last night, even further beyond. Yeah. So you're, you're always there. Now, I got to ask you, Ross mentioned off the top, the difference in atmosphere. Like, how much has your job and kind of style changed when you're going from a packed CTC to literally no fans? Like, what is some of the biggest differences in your job? So... To, to be quite honest with you, at the start of this season, we none of us knew what we were getting into. Uh, you know, it was thrown together so quickly, and we we you know we came into this empty arena. Now, it's not to say that we've never worked uh, build you know games with no fans, and you know, we've all done these side, little side events here and there that didn't have fans who just wanted to have the uh, the the vibe of a sense game right so you know we've done it before but but this was the first time that we were actually doing actual nhl games without fans and uh it was very very hard at first i won't lie to you uh to, to really get into it uh for all of us and, and one of the key things that we we discussed and we wanted to do is we we didn't want to get into bad habits so what we wanted to do is we try our best to have our show run as it would run if there were actually people in the building. And we keep reminding ourselves that, that we don't want to get in those bad habits. So, you know, we're, we're, we're slowly trying to keep everything going the same way as it was if there were fans. But the hardest thing is uh, the fact that, you know, there are no crowd response to certain situation, which makes it hard because sometimes uh, some of us aren't paying a hundred percent attention to the game. So when the crowd roars or makes a, you know, a, you know, reacts to something, uh, we, it catches our attention and we're, we're on it. Uh, so we actually have to be even more attentive to the game now than we were in the past because we don't have the actual fans to, to help us out a little bit. Uh, because as you guys can appreciate, you know, in game production, uh, uh, there are so many elements uh, going on that we're we're always thinking ahead to the next thing that's going to happen in our production that the game almost becomes sometimes secondary to us because we're already talking uh, on our on our headsets about what's coming up and you know how to be make sure that we're ready for it so not having the fans has been a little bit of a difficult situation for sure and we have had to adapt a little bit but you know it, it's it's going well um, and as we kind of get into the games uh, uh, you know, we get involved as fans as well. You know, we're all fans of the team. And and eventually it, it does almost, you almost forget that there are no fans, but not really. Are you in control or who controls the crowd noise? So, so our former guy who was taking care of the goal horn actually has been moved to another position. Uh, and we actually have uh, two operators uh, who take care of the synthetic crowd noise, uh, or as they've been dubbed in the NHL, the crowd sweeteners. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, they've we've been provided with equipment with various um, uh, types of crowd reactive uh, sounds and uh, chants and things like that that are uh, operators can utilize during the games. Uh, and it's actually very intriguing to watch them go because I would consider it almost an art at this point because these guys are literally sitting in front of this, uh, this basically this MIDI controller and basically are reacting as what they would perceive the fans would be reacting to each play. Uh, so they've actually saved my butt a couple of times when I'm not paying attention because of the synthetic crowd noise. But again, it's, it's not comparable. Yeah, I love that. And it's great to not have the crowd noise when the Leafs or Habs do something good at the CTC. 
Well, yeah, that's that's absolutely it. Like the fans are always on our side, hundred <laughs> percent. So it's been wonderful for sure. That's awesome. I want to expand on having some fun. Uh, obviously, James Mellish was, uh, he's a creative dude. He's been on this show as a Sen Central citizen. He had the Sen Sicko anthem. How did you first hear it? And what inspired you being like, we got to get this into the production? Um, to be quite honest with you, I was a little bit blinded uh, by all that was going on on social media for a while. The season, you know, kick-started very quickly. We were very busy. We've had a lot of games and a very condensed uh, period. Uh, and now with the Belleville Senators joining us in Ottawa, uh, that's doubled our, 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 our workload. So, you know, we were very busy. I, I wasn't following since Twitter very much. Uh, and then this kind of started blowing up on my, on my feed. Uh, so, you know, I started taking a look at it. And at first I was like, what is this? Uh, you know, I, but I did find it very humorous. And then after that, uh, I finally heard um, the day that we played it at the game was the first day I actually had had time to listen to it. And I thought it was hilarious and didn't think, you know, we would actually play it at the game. But at the same time, you know, we had been looking for ways to reach out to the fans who cannot be there with us right now. Uh, it's, it's been difficult, and I know the fans have been finding it hard not being in the buildings to watch this amazing team uh, that's going to be incredible next few years uh, perform. And so we figured, you know, what's the harm in, you know, reaching out and having fun with the fans remotely uh, at a distance. So when we played it, you know, we were up by a couple of goals uh, at the end of the first period. And, you know, after that, Ian Mendes tweeted it out. And then my Twitter blew up for about a good 24 hours nonstop. Um, and that was pretty crazy. Um, and, and since then, I've been actually in contact constantly with James myself. Uh, we've actually been working on a few things together. Uh, he sent me just the... Uh, audio vocal stem for his uh, track. So I've been able to cut it down. Uh, so if you guys were listening to the game last night, after our announcer uh, announces the goals and assist, we used to do a, like a, 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 like just a soundbite stinger to kind of add some emphasis to the call. And then we decided that last night, I didn't actually tell anybody, I just did it, uh, that I was going to play just that loud yes part <laughs> right at the end of the, uh, of, uh, of the laughter. Uh, and, and everyone just started rolling, laughing in the building and, and on our crew. Uh, and, you know, it was just, just it, it's, it's really come very organically. We, we're not trying to force it. We're trying to have fun with it. And, and James is such a great guy. And, you know, we're having fun. Me and him have been talking about a few other things, how we could maybe involve it. But, again, we're not trying to uh, – also, we don't want to overdo it. You know, we don't want to oversaturate it uh, because if, you know, if it's, if it's crushed, then after that, it's just no more fun. So we want to make sure we use it strategically as well, uh, you know, so that we're having a lot of fun with it. Like, like um, you know, against Toronto, for example, we, we, you know, we were up four to one and the game was going well. And I had started considering maybe playing it near the end of the game, but things got a little bit tighter there near the end. And I was just like, for me, that wasn't the right moment to play it, you know we don't know how the game could have went and you know so i and i try not to comment on that stuff but the game was just too close for us to 
you know, rub it in Toronto's face, you know, that, as we always enjoy doing as fans, uh, you know, so we, we chose not to, but, you know, we keep going, you know, we, we like to keep, you know, put punching that stuff out, you know, starting the games with sicko mode and, uh, and, and, you know, even the other night playing it as a win song. Uh, and, and playing James's track or any kind of sound clip that he provides us. Now, we're having fun with it, but again, let's not overdo it because we don't want it to become, you know, passe too quickly as well. Yeah, and I think it's great that the Sens are embracing this kind of Sens sicko movement. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and, and like you said, not, not overdoing it, but uh, tipping your hat to it, you know, mm-hmm. letting the fans know they know what's going on there. And now final question for me, Alex, and thanks yeah. for joining us. This has been fun. I'm not sure if you knew, but Ross and I were part of the production crew in Belleville, and uh, we both have had our hand at playing DJ in Belleville. So in the minors, we're not, uh, we're not pros like you yet, but we did have a couple chances. And one thing we really like doing is uh, trying to talk to the players and get song requests. And uh, Drake Batherson is one we had on the podcast and he yep. requested nonstop by Drake. So we would always yep. play that for him in Belleville. Have you had similar scenarios in Ottawa where guys are uh, recommending songs or requesting songs at certain times or anything like that? So, so absolutely. Like I've always wanted the players to, to provide input, but at the same time, I, I want to be cognizant of, uh, the importance of their jobs. Uh, so, you know, I reach out through my, my team as well to, uh, to communicate with them if possible uh, at the start of the seasons for the last few years during the, uh, either the golf tournaments or the team car wash or things like that, we would uh, provide them with player surveys where they could fill out some key information that we were going to use maybe for uh, player profiles during the season or uh, you know, um, any kind of like, sends tv uh but material that we were going to produce uh and some of the sections were favorite artists favorite songs and one of the songs that w- one of the questions we added actually a couple of years ago was if you're a baseball player what would your walk-up song be and that's actually a strategic way of asking them what's your favorite song like what song do you want to hear when you do something big uh and that's where we started using some of those songs during three stars uh, over the last few years or during uh, you know, player profile videos that we would do for them. So that's one way, but you know, they're busy guys. They have a lot on their minds. And so getting, you know, songs, you know, probably isn't their key priority uh, for them. So, you know, we, we, we've always been respectful of that. And, you know, this year though, oddly enough has been probably the year uh, that they have been the most involved in the music actually. Uh, it's been actually very wonderful. You know, in the first couple of games, they would, uh, through the room, they would send me uh, requests and I would be frantically building a uh, warm-up mix, like very makeshift almost, uh, at the last second while I was at the building. Uh, then actually they were able to provide me a pre-cut mix already done, which saved me a whole lot of time. I almost feel like they knew I was really busy and it may <laughs> not have time. So, no, full respect to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been actually great this year. And I'm always wanting the, the players to, to provide me input if they can and if they have time. But, you know, it's it's not always easy. And, and you know, and, and one of the other things is that this year I found that I'm actually surprised of the type of music that uh, they've been requesting or they've actually put in their warm-up. It actually was uh, not as I expected. Uh, and sometimes I find even, even fans, I don't think would be, uh, would actually believe some of the songs they've requested or they've put on. Um, there's always this preconceived notion that, 
you know, for hockey players to get pump, it has to be metal or hard rock. And I'll tell you right now, that's not what they've been sending <laughs> so, for their warmups. So it's interesting, but it's a lot of fun for sure. I love it. On that note, we'll let you go. Really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. I know, like you said, Belleville and Ottawa playing out of the arena. So don't think it doesn't go unnoticed. We can hear it through the TV as well. So keep up the great work, Alex. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Joel, thank you very much. Hope to be back soon. Let's tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one sports book that we trust and the one place that has us covered at the Locked On Podcast Network. And it's got you too because you're a listener of Locked On Senators. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up. So here's the thing. When you get your free play money, that's what it is, of course. They're not just going to give it to you to take out. You have to earn it. And that's where Pilsy's Parlay of the Day comes in. Now, it's the season for sports wagering. March Madness is coming up. The NHL is going right down to the wire. But we like to focus on the NHL here being locked on. Senators Pilsy, what's the parlay today? Well, Pilsy's Parlay of the Day, my new team to focus on. I was really hammering all the teams going up against Detroit, but Detroit's been playing spoiler lately, so I'm going to avoid that for a little. The new Detroit Red Wings of the league, of course, is the Buffalo Sabres. They just fired their coach. Taylor Hall got hit in the face with a puck. It's been brutal over there. They're playing the Boston Bruins. The Bruins are going to annihilate them. So we're hitting the puck line on that. Minus one and a half Boston at plus 105. And then... Philadelphia Flyers got absolutely embarrassed by the New York Rangers. Mika Zibanejad had a six-point night. He doubled his goals total in one game for his whole season. He doubled up. Pavel Buchnevich had a great game. They're not going to come back with a bad effort up against the New York Islanders. I think they're going to get the win here. That's an Islanders team that's hot, though, so I'm a little nervous, but... I'm betting on the bounce back for the Flyers. Money line plus 134. Let's get $10 in there to win $37.97. Once again, Bruins puck line, Philadelphia Flyers money line. That is Pilsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Stick taps to Alex for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at SendsDJ. Does a great job firing up the crowd when there is one or creating atmosphere for us watching on TV and, of course, the players. But those players who are on the team now might not be there in a couple of years, but there are a few in North Dakota who for sure will be, including Jake Sanderson. He was huge in North Dakota's championship win over St. Cloud State. They were down going into the third period. They explode for four goals. They're absolutely humming along, and Jake Sanderson was a huge part of their success, Pills. Yep, he led the team with seven shots on that. Tell me again, is he an offensive defenseman, Ross? I forget. Yes, yes. He is, he is. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he got an assist on the play, too. Of course, your boy Shane Pinto also got an assist. He was elite in the faceoff dot again. But the real hero here, Captain Shit from Kawaguchi, getting the game-winning goal on the power play. That was an intense moment. Reese Gaber also had a really nice game. He's the guy that set up that play. But UND, what a what a team. Like, this is a team, you know, if they're down, you're never worried. Like, I wasn't worried they weren't going to win any of these games, even though they were all very close. 
they get the Frozen Faceoff Championship, and they'll be heading to the NCAA Regionals on March 26th. Hey, it was only 3,150 fans in the crowd, but that place was humming in North Dakota. 5-3 victory for the Fighting Senators. And yeah, just go see, I think, at Pesky Sens tweeted out, but there is this just, just this Jake Sanderson highlight pack. He was dominant on both ends of the ice. His his skating is just ridiculous. So really can't wait to to see what's next for him. Jacob Bernard Docker did not play, but I would be surprised if he's not in the lineup the next time Nodak plays. It's going to be single elimination tournament, the best 16 teams in the entire United States. It'll all culminate in the Frozen Four in Pittsburgh, in the NHL barn at PPG Paints Arena. And I think Nodak has a very good chance of winning that. If they do, it'll end on April 10th. So their next game, March 26th, and potentially final game would be April 10th. So we're going to be all over that leading up to it. We'll probably get our boy Alex Heiner back on. He's done calling games for the year, but that guy's all over North Dakota hockey. And what could happen next? Will guys come out of school? you got to imagine JBD and Pinto will. But Jake Sanderson is a very interesting case. Uh, Sean Simpson tweeting out a poll saying, would you like him back in school for one more year or to join the team? And it was literally 50-50 after like 2,000 votes. So I thought that was pretty impressive. Angus Crookshank's been impressive as well through his college career. He just finished his junior season at University of New Hampshire. He's a Sens fifth-round pick from a few years ago, and he signed. And what I like about his signing, Pilsy, I'll get your take on it after, is that he signed a three-year entry level, no surprise, but it starts next season. So he's going to join Belleville right now on an amateur tryout, and then you get him for three years. So it's just another little extra laneway of development, and that can't hurt Angus Crookshank, the best name in the organization's development going forward. Yeah, I'm stoked that uh, now he's signed. He got an entry-level deal. Congrats to him. 18 points in 20 games this season. Not bad. And the season before, he had 16 goals in 34 games. So this guy can play, and he's going to be a good part of this Belleville team, I think, who, let's be honest, Belleville is desperate for any help they can get. So Angus Crookshank will be a welcomed addition to the squad. I mentioned Sean Simpson, his co-host for TSN Mornings. JR, John Roderberg joins us tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. We got all sorts of content coming up for you on Awesome Send Central Citizen this weekend as well, as we have our longest break since January 15th from when the Sens played until their next one. They have a 10, 20, and 3 record right now. But I have a feeling that there's a few more wins on the horizon. The trade deadline, 25 days away as well. And teams are going to want to be active, especially with that quarantine period. So we'll be there to answer all those questions. Don't forget our first locker room appearance will be this Sunday. Stay tuned at LockedOn.Senators on Instagram, at Central on Twitter for up-to-the-minute information regarding that and anything Ottawa Senators. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.